like we always do with this time. I go for mine, I got to shine. Now throw your hands up in the sky. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn on the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zance, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. We're actually really excited to say this is our 30th episode. It's been great with everyone who's been watching, listening. We appreciate anyone who's subscribed to our YouTube channel. We appreciate it if you're actually subscribed to the podcast feed as well. It's just really been fun. What's up, Steven? We're coming off a win, 30 episodes in. What do you think right now? <laughs> and time flies and you're having fun, I guess. No, I mean, we. Uh, I think we started this thing May 12th. Um, and we've done it every week since. Uh, I think only one break for me, one break for you, uh, maybe. But we had a little uh, a technical difficulty in there. But it's been a lot. It's been fun, man. We we did it since the uh, the schedule release, and then we've been going strong uh, every week since then. Um, I'm having a blast, though. It's uh, it's always fun talking Jets. Like I say, when they they lose, it's it's much needed therapy, and when they win, you can celebrate. So uh, it's been good. Uh, appreciative of the fans. Appreciative of all the. The TOJ fans out there that uh, join us uh, live and then listen later, but uh, it's been good, man. How are you doing? Doing well. I mean, coming off a win, you're never going to be upset. Obviously, it, people have been saying, you know, like Zach sucked in the game, but a win is a win. It could be ugly. Plenty of the good teams and good quarterbacks in the NFL have ugly wins. It's okay. We surpassed last year's win total, which has been completely glossed over. I know it's like the lowest standard ever because we won two games. But there's still, you know, six games to go. So it's like we have a chance to double, probably double, maybe even triple. You never know. We could get the six. You never know. I mean, I'm not optimistic we get the six, but I don't think five is like out of question. There's opponents that we can take on. But let's definitely recap the game. I mean, obviously, you know, Zach came out, looked really rusty, which was kind of frustrating because it just felt like you're watching the same thing that you saw, you know, the first I guess, six starts of his career other than the Tennessee game, even though he actually did start slow in that game, which people don't forget because there were so many good moments in that game. But what I, what I, you know, what I really appreciated from LaFleur is that he noticed this early on and was scheming around just the way he was playing to ensure that the offense was not going to sputter and just keep the chains moving. So you got to give LaFleur so much credit and it's like, the fact that we didn't have him in the booth early in the season, who knows, maybe we win another game that we didn't think we'd win. But I have to say, considering like the way Zach played, which overall was underwhelming, I'd probably give him like a C minus. He did score a touchdown and it was a pretty great play. But what were your thoughts on Zach? I know I feel like we echo a similar sentiment here. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think, it, you know, it wasn't what we all wanted to see. I mean, everyone in Flacco threw for almost 300. Josh Johnson threw for 300. Mike White came out and, and threw for 400 and, and got a win. I mean, so of course we all wanted to see Zach Wilson come out and light the world on fire and throw for 300 and three touchdowns and, uh, and, you know, smack up the Texans 35 to, to 14. But I think there is some progress here and it's nice to, to be seen. Yeah. He came out slow and that was frustrating, but to your point, I think LaFleur slowed the game down for him, got the running game going, which was great to see, um, specifically without Michael Carter. So that's kind of a double-edged sword. It's like you get the, you the run game going, but it would have been nice to see uh, how Michael Carter looked, uh, you know, against the Houston defense and, and uh, you know, with the old line blocking the way they were. But overall, I think uh, Zach progressed throughout the game. It was good to see them get a win on the road for a young team where they had to battle back. It's not easy to do. The NFL is yep. a hard place to win. So it was good just to have that and just to get that win on the road under their belt. And, you know, for everything about Zach, like I kind of, 
it, it was his seventh start. It's his sixth full game that he's played. So let's take a step back and look at what his six games look like, really. He's got two wins, two competitive losses, and two blowouts, one of which were his fault. So from a rookie quarterback standpoint, that's not like the sky is falling, right? It's it's not that bad. That's what you would anticipate. So for a kid to come out and throw for 145 yards, but to look better in the second half, get a rushing touchdown, throw one stupid pick, which I, anyone would say he wants back. It's not that bad. So overall, good team win. Zach looked okay. At least he progressed. Um, and overall, I feel like the, the rest of the team played well. It was good to see the defense come and, and play. Good to see the defensive line get back. JFM with a big return, showing up again in a big way, which I think everyone loved to see. Sheldon Rankins, Quinn and Williams, Foley coming up big. Um, so overall, it was good. It was good to see some of the progress here. And like you said, man, two wins last year, three wins already this year with six left to play. There's progress here. I think just passing the eye test, you can see the progress being made. And that's the refreshing part. Totally. And I think really, you know, what people are not really like understanding is like, it's not going to always look pretty. And like, when you compare Zach's like stats and just always looked, you know, through seven starts, it's similar to quarterbacks who end up becoming good quarterbacks. I was like looking at different guys, like in their rookie season, I know Joe tweeted out a bunch of like through seven starts or these are what like the statistic course for some successful quarterbacks, Matt Stafford threw 13 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. I will sign up for what Matt Stafford became with Zach any of the week. Derek Carr, I know that that went crazy on Twitter and so many fans were going at DJ. Like, it was kind of ridiculous. Like, Derek Carr's a good quarterback. I mean, the Raiders are literally always really in the mix ever since he got there. They were bad the first year, but he was good. But it took time for them to really rebuild and put a good roster around him. He's also dealt with so many things with turmoil with coaching, you know, obviously everything that's gone on with Gruden. Now he's an interim head coach, but like they're right there and he's leading the league in passing yards. He's like, he's projected to be like third most in a season. It's like, are you kidding me? I would sign up for a jet to be like flirting with breaking the passing record in a single season. Like it's insane. Like, listen, we all want the best quarterback in the league on our roster. We all want them to be a future hall of famer, but that's just not realistic to expect. It doesn't matter like how good of a prospect they were coming out of college. It doesn't matter. They have all the arm talent in the world. What matters is winning on Sunday. And that's all that I care about. Yes. We rooted for losses last year, but they've won three games. I want to win more games. I want to show progress. I want to enjoy the games. And to be honest with you, there's plenty of good signs despite, you know, a lot of the pains that we've seen. I mean, Quincy Williams has been a hell of a fine. I mean, like Mm -hmm. think about, this guy, he was on Jacksonville. He wasn't a scheme today. And I remember when he got released, I was making a joke, I think, in our Slacker. But I'm like, oh, they're definitely going to claim him as part of, like, Quinnen's contract extension negotiations. Meanwhile, this guy's a good player. It's like he's legit a good player. And Jacksonville's probably pissed they got rid of him because he could help their pretty terrible defense. He's fast. He's always around the ball. I mean, he's had, like, 10-plus tackles, I think, three times this season. And I'm glad that Salah realized – if Gerard Davis is not healthy or really he's not playing well, even when he's out there, play this guy. He's good. He's young. He's under team control for next year. Those are things you want to see. Even a guy like Elijah Riley has been playing actually pretty well since they brought him on for the Buffalo game. I know obviously he doesn't necessarily have a long-term future, but there's pieces in there. I mean, mm-hmm. this complements with some of the guys that we took this year in the draft with Michael Carter. Hope he gets out soon. Elijah, Vera Tucker and Michael Carter. The second it's like, 
there's reasons to be excited, assuming the quarterback comes along as we, you know, the next six games and going into next season with a, like, you know, the full off season, same coordinator and everything like that. It's like, just enjoy it. It doesn't matter if it's like the prettiest whenever we scored 21 points, we couldn't even score a touchdown in like many games earlier in the season, you know? Yeah. And no, I agree. I mean, that's where the progress is, is being seen where, you know, games like, uh, like the Colts game or like the bills game where this team last year would have just laid down and died and it would have looked way uglier than it actually was, but the team fights back. They continue to fight. They at least gain yards. They, they, they put up offense. I mean, those are the things that you like to see. And we've said time and time again on the show is that what we really want, or at least I've said, what we really want out of the season is to have more definitive answers at the close of 2021 that you can rely on for 22. And I think we're starting to get those things. So you see AVT is a building block for the future. Michael Carter, uh, the running back is an absolute piece here and a building block for the future. Elijah Moore looks like his, just his stock is skyrocketing. Quincy Williams, you mentioned, at least a depth piece. Elijah Riley, at least, at least a depth piece. This, uh, the cornerback group is looking incredible, to be honest with you. Now, it's not set, but there's things there. There's pieces there that you can rely on. And you can also see Sala and LaFleur and Ulbrich are growing into their coaching styles. They're understanding this team. They're starting to do things that are showing growth and progress. I mean, these are the things that you want. We knew this wasn't going to be a 10 and seven playoff team, but you're starting to see the progress here. So hopefully they can have these building blocks where you see the progress and see the progression in the last, uh, the last six games of the year, where it's something you can rely on for 2022. Totally. And even beyond that, I mean, you, you got Bryce Hall who, you know, he had that one play where Brandon cooks just was in the perfect position. Bryce was there. He obviously been for touchdown, but guess what? Bryce Hall did not let that shake him, and he made the game-sealing win play. He yep. literally broke up the pass that basically ended the game. So the point yep. is, is like this is the first time in a while. I know there's six games to go, but even if you th- even if they lost all of them, I don't think that they will. I think they'll win at least one, if not two more games, and we'll feel a lot better about this team going into next year. But my point is, is that there's pieces that I could see for a long-term vision that I haven't really seen in a long time, and I say that because. The Jets really started this rebuild in 2017 when you think about it, because they tore down all those old veterans. They like went with Josh McCown with all these young pieces with the, with the anticipation of getting a quarterback in 2018, tried for Kirk Cousins, didn't work. Thank God. I would not been able to deal with him because he's too inconsistent. Then they obviously get Sam doesn't work out, but they never like truly did this through the draft. And now we're finally seeing it. I know 2020 has been great. Hopefully Makai comes back and we can actually watch him play. Four starts would be good. You know, that means that he played in basically four and a half, five games, which is be nice to see. And, you know, ultimately make sure that we don't need to find another left tackle because he's been hurt a lot. But the point is, is like, there's things to be excited about. I mean, Salah obviously has a lot of learning to do, but he's really taken a lot of steps, especially with his aggression, you know, given the struggles of Matt Amendola, who the fact that he's still on the team as we are talking right now is extremely frustrating because he sucks. Like no disrespect. (laughs) He's missed, what, like seven kicks and an extra point this year? Like, that's unacceptable. Like, Salah literally did not trust him in a big spot to kick a 40-something yard field goal. Thankfully, he made it when they got a little bit closer, but you cannot play that way. You got to get points. And it's like, Zach wasn't playing super well. I mean, thankfully, they had that great play called, which I love when they did the Jets sweep mm-hmm. on fourth and one that helped them set up the next field goal. But it's like, you're seeing things. They're not playing scared football. They're not quitting. They're actually trying and looking to make plays. And then also just be aggressive. So I'm super excited. Get rid of Matt Amendola. You know, I feel bad for him. He, it's hard being a kicker. I get it. 
I know they have somebody on the practice squad who I'd never heard of because he's probably a young guy, but give him a shot. Yep. He can't really be that much worse. I mean, unless he's like Vivek, whatever his name is, we had the, <laughs> the opener in 2019, like <laughs> probably going to be better. And at least maybe he can actually do something. Because really all that Matt Amendola has going for him is he has a big leg, but he's so inaccurate mm-hmm. and he shanks to the left. Also, Brady Man sucks. That's another thing. He had that one of the worst punts I've ever seen this last weekend. Get rid of him too. Morstead was significantly better. I don't know why they got rid of him. I know they invested a draft pick in him, but you, you can't play favorites. You're trying to win football games. Have the best players you can out there. Even if it is a kicker and punter, you still need good kickers and punters. Look at Justin Tucker. Like, he's money. He doesn't yeah. miss, like, under, like, 45 yards. Like, can you imagine if we had that kicker? Shout out Nick Folk. He was great. Underappreciated Jet. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. No, you're absolutely right. And I think uh, you brought it up in the Slack this week was uh, the, the mystery of why the Jets didn't re-sign Nick Folk, I think, post-2015, which uh, will remain a mystery because, uh, yeah, I don't know. They've had kicking problems. I mean, even Jason Myers had a great year, uh, then got big money in Seattle, and McKagan didn't want to re-sign him. So. Um, but since then, it's uh, it's – <clears throat> it's been a rotation of, uh, of just bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a good sign is that you are seeing Salah's growth here. I think we've all uh, clamored for the aggression and the, you know, the, the plant quote unquote playing with house money, which I think we're starting to see. I mean, him going for two, uh, you know, late in the second, in the second quarter, I think was a great sign. You know, your kicker sucks. You're down by five after you score that touchdown. So yeah, go for two, make it a three point game. Absolutely. Even, you know, it's in my opinion, it's never the wrong time to make the right call. So even taking the time out, uh, after bringing the kicking team out to call a timeout and then decide to go for it. Perfect. I ever, I, th- I don't think any Jets fan out there had a problem with that because you knew Amendola was making that kick. I think the only problem that I do have with Salah is the fact that he still tried a 40 plus yard field goal with Amendola. Like it's to the point where if it's 40 plus, don't even try them out there. I don't care if it's fourth and 12, go for it. You got a better chance. Cause you're really just going to end up giving the, the ball back to, to the other team anyways. Cause he's not going to make that kick. So yeah, to your point, uh, I mean, <laughs> Braden, man, struggling uh that six round pick uh, that that whole 2020 draft class outside of Bryce Hall is a, a big time question mark at this point um we'll see how Denzel Mims looks uh this week with Keelan Cole out and potentially uh Corey Davis out too um you know Mims has uh He's got to step up because his season has been, um, you know, pretty down thus far. And then, yeah, you know, we'll see what Makai Becton looks like when he comes back. I hope he gets some time uh, back in the saddle because and, and and let's also not forget to highlight just how good, honestly, George Fant and Morgan Moses have been um, because they really haven't missed a beat. And for as good as we think Becton can be, uh, I think that offensive line has shown steady growth uh, game after game this season. And and they've been uh, bookends for Zach Wilson and whoever else has been back there. So, um, you know, kudos to the offensive line. Because uh, they have, they, they've really progressed since that first game at Carolina. Yeah. And, you know, Morgan Moses is a big man, <clears throat> tough as nails. He got hurt in that game and he played through it, and you got to give him a lot of credit. I kind of like look at him as like when the Jets signed Willie Colon, who was kind of on the like twilight years, but still could be a productive player. I kind of mm-hmm. hope they keep him around. I mean, I don't know if he wants to, you know, chase, you know, a ring, go for a contender because he's definitely a serviceable right tackle. I mean, Age is definitely the problem here, but he's great. I mean, like, he just is very rock solid. And even Fant, we made fun of Fant when the Jets signed him. They're like, this guy's like a converted tight end who's playing tackle. He's been good. <laughs> like, he's been really solid. Not like Pro Bowl, but the funny yeah. thing, he tweeted about voting for the Pro Bowl. I'm like, relax. <laughs> like, you're a yeah. solid, serviceable tackle in the NFL. Yep. Not a Pro Bowl tackle. I hate to say it, but, like, good. It was a good signing by Joe Douglas. He seems to have a good eye for offensive line talent with the exception of Ryan Khalil because 
I mean, think about it. Most of the guys he's brought in have been pretty good. I know Van mm-hmm. Ryan stinks and Feeney yep. he hasn't played a snap. So kudos to that. But you got to give um, LDT a little bit of shout out. Ever since he came in, the interior has looked a lot better. He actually yeah. graded out really well in PFF. I know we take those grades with a, um, a huge grade of salt, but <laughs> it's been better. That's the point. And we all mm-hmm. were saying anyone could be better. But the problem was the option was Dan Feeney. So they couldn't do that. But the funniest thing is they traded Dan Brown to the Chiefs for him and they caught him and we get Dan Brown back. So we basically got this guy for free and he was like a starter for them before he opted out last year for COVID. He was solid. So yep. this could be a nice little find for Joe Douglas and hopefully mm-hmm. solidifies, you know, right guard for next year. I still think they need a new center, even though McGovern has been playing better. And I think playing next to a better right guard has definitely helped him a lot, but yeah, no, I just think that there's been some incremental changes and in growth over the last few weeks. Even if, like, they haven't won all these games, I'm just seeing more and more that I like and can see the vision that Joe Douglas has. Because, quite frankly, he's going to be on the hot seat if they don't win another game. Yeah, I agree. I think bottom line is, uh, and we hope the rest of the NFL doesn't learn this, but don't trade with Joe Douglas because he'll fleece you. So you're, you're seeing it with the, the trade for LDT and he gets Dan Brown back. You're seeing it with the Jamal Adams trade. I mean, oh, my gosh. You know, I'm looking looking up the Chris Herndon stats because (laughs) last I checked, oh my god, this is incredible! At one point, he had one catch for one yard for a a touchdown, but now he has, I'm sorry, a mere three catches for 23 yards and one touchdown. We have a fourth round pick for that guy, a fourth rounder for that. So, uh, and the Jamal Adams trade just looks better and better by the day. I mean, the fact that they are picking the Seahawks pick is higher than the Jets pick right now is just it's music to every Jets fan's ears. So. You know, right now, if the season ended, it'd be number four and five. Uh, they still, I don't know what where the second rounders fall, but I believe they're top 45. Um, Carolina's looking worse. It's it's all from a draft standpoint, everything, every roll of the dice is coming up Jets. So it's it's great. At the end of the day, though, we're still going to continue to root for wins. That's what we want to see. Um, I can stomach losses like uh, last week or two weeks ago against against Miami, as long as it's competitive. Um, but yeah, I, I agree, man. You, you see the progress across the board. Um, you know, these young guys are really, they're, they're coming into their own. You're, you're seeing the building blocks for, uh, you know, for next year. And yes, 2022, uh, this free agency and off season is going to be absolutely huge for Joe Douglas. Cause this should be a team that hits the ground running and is ready to compete, uh, next season. So, um, there's still holes to fill. We'll see what his, uh, what his strategy is in free agency. Cause he's going to have to spend. Um, yeah, we like the fact that he's built, you know, through the draft, uh, and that's kind of his mantra, but you're going to have to mold that a little bit with, uh, with some McCagnan, you know, era spending, um, you're gonna have to go out and get some guys and get some big names and spend some money. This, uh, it's, this is not the time to be a tightwad. He's going to spend money. He's going to get pressure from Woody to spend money because that was Woody's whole thing, especially if they start to show signs that they're, you know, look like they can really do something next year, whether it's like compete for a wild card or even make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. they're going to spend money. I would I'd be stunned because there are a lot of holes and you can't fill them all in the draft. They're going to be aggressive for some of the top free agents. I think they're going to go after a tight end. This tight end's not really it's a hard position to really hit in the draft. And what I've noticed over the years is that tight, rookie tight ends rarely make an impact. So if you're taking a tight end the second or third round, there's a good chance he's not even really impacting this team until 2023. Like you mm-hmm. think about like Noah Fan and TJ Hawkinson, they were both first round picks. Yep. They didn't really do anything their rookie season. So it's like it makes sense to go after someone who's already established because it's a hard position for rookies to really be stepped up. I, I honestly, I would love to see a middle of the road veteran. That's a good pass catcher. Someone like a Gerald Everett or a Jared yeah. cook, 
Uh, you know, someone Looks like that. Too that's, old for my liking. He, he is, but you know, he can still produce. And if you do that and you couple it with a mid-round tight end that you draft, I'm I'm totally fine with that. Just give us someone that can threaten defense, that can be a, a threat in the passing game, that can actually catch. Um, that's what we're we're looking for. Because honestly, I mean, listen, Croft has showed has showed signs, but he can't stay on the field. Ryan Griffin just isn't it. Um, so yeah, they need and, and I agree block, with you. though. He can, he, he can, but you, you need a threat in the passing oh, game. Yeah. And, uh, and they just don't have that right now. Um, you know, and I will say, I think, you know, we'll see what they do at the receiver position. I would say they probably address that in the draft with probably one of their second round picks. Um, Corey Davis uh, has been, the season's been a roller coaster thus far. Um, I could say it's kind of on the downswing at this point, especially with his health. Um, Elijah Moore is clearly outshining him at this point. I'd like to see him return healthy. I think he had something, something good going on with Zach, but he's been a slight disappointment. I can say honestly, though, that I've been impressed with Keelan Cole. He's a, a savvy veteran that makes catches in big spots. He rarely makes a bad play. Uh, you saw the catch that he made. That was a, a ball thrown behind him on that fourth down. That was just great. He'd be a guy, him, <clears throat> excuse me. Him and Jamison Crowder are two guys that I would actually love to see back in Jet Green uh, next year because I just think they're good pieces, and I think you need reliable veteran pass catchers like both of them, uh, especially for your young quarterback. So they'd be guys that I'd love to see back in uh, in green and white next year too. I agree. I want to bring back Keelan Cole because I kind of assume that Crowder's gone and they could definitely use Elijah in the slot a lot. I also want to bring back Braxton. I think Braxton is a good guy that you don't have to spend a lot of money to keep. He's valuable in special teams. He's actually made plays whenever they use in the offense. He had like the most important play on offense last week. When he basically took the almost went looked like he was going to go to the house. He had one more guy to beat. I felt bad for him because he had that same exact type of play when Darnold was the quarterback against the Raiders. Yep. He literally got tackled at the one yard line. It's just like, just get that one more inch and you're going to literally yeah. be off. So I felt bad for him, but I'm a Braxton guy. I know a lot of people do like him because he's really reliable on punt returns. He doesn't muff the ball unless he's interfered with because that did happen <laughs> in the Miami game. But, yeah, no, I think that the receiving core is going to be a little bit different. I, I could see Mims being gone. Just there's been nothing. It's, it sucks because I thought that they had something with him. And you know, I, I truly think the issue with Mims, unfortunately for him, and I don't have sources uh, like that's telling me this, but I just don't think he puts in the work. I think that he's physically gifted, which anyone who's ever watched him play and when he's made a play can see he's tall, he's fast, he can jump, he can catch but he doesn't put in the mental aspect. And I think he's just trying to rely on his abilities versus actually putting in the work. Like you could say whatever you want about a guy like Antonio Brown. He's not this physically gifted player. He's like five ten, but he's fast, but he's so crisp with his route. Yep. He's probably one of the best route runners I've ever seen. He put in the work six round pick and he worked his ass off. I know he doesn't seem like he's the best guy in the world, best football player, man, is he fun to watch because you could tell he's mastered his craft. And there's plenty of guys mm-hmm. like that too. But it's just I don't think he has that mental makeup to really handle it. But listen, there's six games to go. Could be wrong. I hope he does because I was a fan of his when they picked him. But it's been frustrating. And I just feel like once there's always something with him, he obviously had the salmon. So he lost all that weight and he had COVID and he's been like a little it's just healthy scratch. It's just like something has to give with him, whether he plays or he doesn't. I don't care. Yeah. And, and you feel like you feel like some of it or a big part of it has to be the mental aspect. I mean, you feel like there was a, a bit of a test there from Salah on uh, the floor early in the season, you know, saying he doesn't know all three positions. Well, it's like, well, well why? Um, you know, there's got to be something behind that. If he doesn't know all three positions, then why isn't he working his ass off to learn them? 
Um, and yeah, there's a bit of misfortune there. I mean, the, you know, food poisoning, COVID, like that's not easy to go through, obviously. Uh, and you don't wish that on anybody, but at the same time, then, you know, he does get spots, uh, you know, where he makes plays or he has a chance to make plays against the Colts and he comes up with two big drops. Um, so I think this is a challenging year for him. Um, his mental makeup, I think will show, uh, whether he's more like what you're saying, or he could kind of rise above it and show, especially in a week like this, where they're going to need him because they don't have their big guys in, in Keelan Cole and, and possibly Corey Davis. So we'll see what Mims does. Uh, I still like him as a player. I hope they don't, uh, they don't get rid of him in cut bait. Um, he's still young, plenty of receivers, uh, plenty of players can, you know, shine after uh, a couple of down years. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, come 2022 and, and, and actually the last six games here. Yeah. It sucks. It's just, it's not like I don't like him. And I, you know, if he ever hears this, he'll probably say, I hate that guy. That's fine. <laughs> It's just I'm frustrated. I want to see him play, and I saw glimpses his rookie season, and I thought he could be a player, and it's it's not happening. I know there's been things that have been thrown his way, but, like, the really good players, whenever they're given the opportunity, they do things, and he's had opportunities this year, other than really the Carolina game when he made that great catch. Just haven't seen it. So hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully this is like a reverse jigs, and he ends up showing up and playing a big role against the Eagles, but you never know. <laughs> Yeah, But, uh, Steven, I want to transition to one thing that was blowing up on Twitter on Sunday night. I feel like DJ definitely started the fire here, and I went at him a little bit with it, just how I feel. And I think it's important to address this because people forget fans are allowed to feel however they want. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter. Like, we – it's called you're called the fanatic for a reason. But the Jeff fans who hate Jamal Adams, who are always looking to make fun of him and always talking about the picks and everything – they're going to say whatever they want. What people are not understanding is, yes, players move on. That's a thing. And there's no loyalty in sports because you're expendable pretty much. Everyone in the league is expendable minus really star quarterbacks in the NFL and like pass rushers and left tackles. But Jeff fans are mad and always are trolling and making fun of Jamal Adams because he was like our guy. And he like has said this since he's left in interviews. Like they used to like worship me and everything like that. I'm like, yeah, we did. And you were unhappy with your contract. You were unhappy with the situation with the team, which I kind of understand where he came from with that. But then you started going after the fans and just basically calling us idiots and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you were just basically embarrassing the franchise, which I understand you were frustrated with things. We all deal with things in life through work, friends, family. But you have to, you're still a professional athlete. Professional is a key word in there. And you have to act like it instead of just being disrespectful to the, your employer who's signing you pretty expensive checks that come your way. So we are just mad of the way he treated on his way out. It was just one of those things. It's like, we're allowed to feel that way. And like, we're fans. We're, we're with this team after long after he's gone, we've dealt with so much. And it's just like, it just was like a slap in the face. And I don't think that fans should be ridiculed because a guy was just kind of going at the fan base and the team publicly It just wasn't the right thing to do. I tried to like not curse and kind of like go at him, but I just, I wanted to get off my chest because people are always like, why do Jeff fans always troll Jamal Adams? I'm like, if you, if you're a fan and you were paying close attention to that whole thing before Joe Douglas traded him, which has been the best trade in the world. I mean, yeah, like a top five pick with that Seattle pick this year, man, yeah. Seattle fans are going to be pissed because they're headed towards a rebuild. I could see yep. Carroll retiring. He is old. Russell Wilson is probably gonna be like, I want out of here. This team stinks. You never know. <laughs> Yeah. 
Well, I mean, listen, Jets fans are accustomed to pain and heartbreak and we're accustomed to losing homegrown talent that ends up being good elsewhere, you know, and I don't think that's a story for Jamal Adams, clearly, but we've lost guys like Keyshawn Johnson. We've lost guys. We traded guys like uh, like Darrell Revis. You know, we've seen guys go and we can deal with it, but you're 100 percent right. It's the antics in which he had like the, the antics in which he. Uh, he left with and and what he did to get out. When you come in and you're a self-proclaimed culture, cult, uh, excuse me, culture changer, but then you're going to run when the going gets tough because you're not winning in your first two or three years and you're going to run. And, and, and then the way in which he did it, just, you know, he's driving uh, his car in Dallas and, you know, he's saying, Oh, I'm trying to get to the Cowboys and all that stuff. And it just, it bothered me the way that he left. I mean, I loved him when he was here. Same. I legit thought he was the best safety in football, regardless of his coverage skills. I, his coverage skills have gone completely downhill. It's, it's got to be part of what Seattle's it's, asking it's him to schematic. do. If it, they played it, him the way is. Greg Williams did, he would be much better. I, exactly. But, you know, there were times, though, like he, he shut down Gronk, and he played Gronk well when Gronk was in New England. I mean, there were, he was better as a yeah. Jet. There's no question about that. And I loved him when he was here, but honestly, he is more annoying than I have, than I ever realized now that he's gone. And yeah, I mean, Jets fans are right to feel any way they do. I don't ever fault the guy for trying to get his money, but the way in which he went about it was uh, extremely frustrating to insult the organization and the fan base on your way out. I mean, you know, Jets fans going to just forgive him and forget that. So um, yeah, yeah, you know, DJ's not really understanding it. I think he, he saw it from a 10,000 foot view, uh, you know, back when it happened and now he's kind of understanding it being uh, ingrained in the Jets Twitter fan world uh, that he is now. But uh, yeah, I mean, Jets fans are right to feel however they want to about yeah, this whole situation. It just, we kind of felt just, it was just rubbed us all the wrong way. He's not like yeah. a bad guy. Like I actually met him, him and Sam did this appearance at like a, the Nike store of town in the city. He seemed like a nice guy. I mean, like he was funny and like he was just personable and stuff, but you still like, you could still make mistakes and he made a mistake. And anyone yeah. who was watching it closely knows he made a mistake. And believe me, Seattle probably thinks they made a mistake giving up these picks for him. Yeah. He's not delivering on what they they're. He's not Earl Thomas. He's not Cam Chancellor. He's not playing no. the way those guys play when they were in that defense. So, you know, it's I get it. I just I just want to get that off my chest because I don't think fans should be told how to be a fan. That's mm -hmm. that's your choice. Like I and the same things with the narratives with Zach. It's like people didn't want him or just looking for him to fail and all that stuff. And it's like political views. It's just like just there's no way and people are always going to feel a certain way no matter what. So you just can't, it's, it's fanatic. That's, that's what, that's yeah. what it is. You know? Everything is, everything is polarizing nowadays. You can't be in the middle. You got to be either, you know, far one side or far the other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can't tell fans how to feel. Uh, it is what it is at this point. The Jamal thing, the Zach thing. I mean, shit, we're all, it's, it's football. It's fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's, yeah. uh, it's something to invest in that you have no control over on Sundays. So yeah, that's what it's supposed like, to be. When Jamal had that awesome strip sack against Daniel Jones was one of the coolest awesome. moments in the last five years for the Jets. I mean, like, mm -hmm. it's just like a really cool play. It's against the Giants. Just won the game. It yep. was great. I'm thankful yeah. for that moment. It was great. I'm kudos to him. He, he was, he was an all pro safety that year. He was, he deserved, you know, all the praise he got. He hasn't been that player since he left, and everyone knows it if you've been watching him. I mean, he made a pretty big business decision on Monday Night Football. It's like that's yeah. why we're making fun of him. We're like, he didn't do that when he was with the Jets. Yep. He, had his, he had his flaws, but he always was playing hard. I felt I did feel bad for him at times because it seemed like he was frustrated that the guys weren't playing as hard as him, but it kind of seems like he's coasting a little bit. Yep. No, I agree. So yeah. let's, uh, let's fast forward. Let's talk about the Eagles a little bit here, man. So what do you yeah. think coming up for this Sunday? 
So it's interesting. Obviously, Jalen Hurts is injured. He also is probably coming off his worst performance as a starter since the Eagles named him the starter last season. But he obviously worries me because the Jets have had trouble stopping the run against a lot of teams, and he's a mobile quarterback. They haven't really played a guy who can move around like this, I think, all season because they didn't play against, like, Lamar. They play against Josh Allen, but I don't really think that he was running so much. He was actually just throwing us from the pocket. Um, But – it's, it's going to be tough because if he plays, you know, it's a different type of uh, offense that we've seen. Obviously, the receivers, with the exception of Devonta Smith and Goddard, really aren't that great. I mean, I, all those fans are just so upset about Jalen Rieger when they could have had Justin Jefferson because it's like night and day. for those I guys. get it. I get it. Their defense actually is a lot better than people give credit to. I'm not saying it's like this elite defense, but they obviously have Fletcher Cox, who's one of the best interior linemen you know, in the NFL, he has been for a number of years, assuming he's healthy, but they have some guys. And I, I feel like, you know, you got to give some credit there and it could be tough for Zach. They're probably going to blitz a lot because they know that Zach has definitely been prone to making mistakes when he's blitzed, but I'm interested. I think the game will be close. Obviously if Minshew plays, it's not like a huge drop off. He's not a bad mm-hmm. quarterback. I think he should be a starter in the NFL. <clears throat> I was very pro if somehow we could get him as a backup to Wilson. I would have been fine with that, but I'm like, he probably would be better than Wilson right now. And he was good on the Jaguars and I feel like he deserves another chance. So if we see him, it's not like it makes the game any easier to me. I personally think it could be harder because he's a good pocket quarterback and he moves around just enough. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think the key is going to be the defense and how they can play against this good and and different uh, rushing offense. So um, this is going to be a real test for Ulbrich and Sala to see what they can draw up and what they can come up with uh, creatively, because <clears throat> to stop this run, I think the, the defensive line is going to have to be disciplined, which is something that um, I think the defensive line is obviously the strength of the defense, if not the strength of the team. But we've seen that gashed in games like against Indianapolis and Buffalo, uh, simply because they're almost too aggressive. And, you know, then it ends up, you know, Jonathan Taylor's running all over you. Um, so this is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see if they can stay disciplined and kind of uh, keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket, uh, defend those RPOs and, and really defend that run game. Because the, the, defending that and stopping it is going to be the key to the Jets winning here. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. And yeah, you're right. The, uh, the passing game doesn't necessarily scare me. Um, but if Jalen Hurts can get out and escape and, and, you know, do some things that are off schedule, um, you know, I'm not sure if our, uh, cornerbacks can hold up for that long. Um, so we'll see what happens, but it'll be very interesting. I think the key to the game here is what Sal and Obrick can drop. If they can kind of channel their inner Rex Ryan, uh, come up with a, you know, a, a pretty creative defensive game plan, um, that makes uh, Jalen Hurts uncomfortable, makes him do things he doesn't want to do, uh, and hold the ball in the pocket and, and make throws. Uh, from the pocket, that's going to be the key to the game. And if the Jets can do that, I think they have a very good shot at winning. I think it's more uh, Jets defense against the Eagles offense than vice versa. Yeah. And the inter- two interesting things I was thinking about as you were you kind of just bringing up some po- good points. Number one, the Jets actually have seen this team in training camp, so they actually are a little more familiar mm-hmm. than most people because they saw it up close, what they try to do. Number two, Salah's actually game plan when he was in San Francisco as a defensive coordinator for Kyler Murray twice a year and Russell mm-hmm. Wilson for the previous two seasons before he gave him the Jets. So he is used to scheming against a mobile quarterback. So that could be something to keep just keep an eye on as you're watching the defensive game plan unfold on Sunday. But I, at the end of the day, I need to see Zach make some more plays. We need it. We need touchdown passes. I know Joe's had this on Badlands. Like it's time. You know, four touchdown passes from him this year is is a joke. Mm-hmm. And he's more talented than that. He's gonna. He needs to make plays like 
throw two and rush for one, throw three. I don't care. I just, we need him to get more confidence. We need him to take some shots in the field. I feel like they played a little more conservative because he definitely looked rusty last week. You could see that his leg is still bothering him. He, he admitted as much, which is kind of funny because Salah said that he was hundred percent healed, but he's not. I mean, he's not. He, he was limping a little bit before he actually left uh, when he was, when he went on the sideline and was getting like just attention. So I think, I think he'll be a little more comfortable in the sense that he's played one game. He understands what, when, you know, bullets flying is going to be with this injury because he's going to have to deal with it the rest of the way, unless he re-aggravates it. But what I understand is like, I don't know how much he could re-aggravate it because it's like, it's still in like the healing process, but um, I just want to see him do more. And I, I want to get Austin Walter more touches. I kind of forgot to even touch on this guy because really cool story about him. And I was impressed with what I saw. I remember when we were at camp, we saw him play a little bit because they were rotating all the different backs they had who were um, on the team at the time. He had some juice, but I'm like, I don't think this guy's going to make the team. But I was like, oh, he could be something down the road. And it's crazy that he's getting time over Piran. It just goes to show you that Piran really wasn't a good draft pick, even though yeah. he had a couple touchdowns as a rookie. But I think just given the fact Carter is not playing, keep using Coleman, keep using Johnson, use Walter. I think three man rotation is good. I mean, what they have like a hundred and like 50 yards almost on the mm-hmm. ground, like easily their best rushing performance of the season. So you just got to keep that up. I mean, I want to see, you know, just this, a balanced game plan, you know, hopefully like maybe, you know, 250 in the air and like close to a hundred on the ground. Can't really ask for more than that, especially with a young team like that. Yeah, I agree. And I think, uh, you know, the, the Walter story is a good one. I think his game too is complimentary of the other two, which, which is nice to see, which when you think about, uh, you know, a, a a three back rotation uh, when you have Coleman um, who is a straight line guy, uh, but a bigger back that'll get the yards that are there. Then you think of Johnson, who is another bigger guy with some deceptive speed that'll kind of run through you. It's a good compliment to have Walter, who's a smaller, uh, you know, more quicker hitter um, and definitely a speed guy uh, in that rotation, as opposed to P Ryan, who kind of seems like a really a redundant back uh, when you factor in the other two. So it was nice to see. Um, hopefully he gets a little more involved uh, this week, but he was impressive, uh, you know, last week as well. And yeah, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, from an offensive standpoint, it's going to be interesting to see what LaFleur does to get Zach in the groove early. Um, he's still missing the easy throws, which is frustrating. Uh, you know, he missed a couple of screens, um, you know, early on. I, I don't really put too much stock in it because honestly, the plays wouldn't have gone for much anyways, um, you know, against Houston. But it's still it's going to be interesting to see what he does to kind of get Zach uh, flowing a little bit earlier here. Uh, what he dials up to, to get the juices flowing, get him in the groove a little bit. So that way, um, you know, we don't have to wait till the typical second half before he starts warming up. So um, yeah. it's it's going to be interesting. I think this is a very winnable game. Um, I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but if the Jets can stay with them, if they don't start slow and find themselves in a 17, nothing or a 14, three hole, um, this will at least be interesting. And I think it's, it's going to end up being a very, it's going to end up being a close game, but a very winnable game. Yeah. My thing is if they win the toss, except I think that is something that I've noticed. It's like, just be a little more aggressive and assertive in the situation. I know the you know statistics say you should defer and get the ball back, but I want the quarterback to be out there ready to go immediately. And I think drawing up like a quick pass play just to build the confidence up is what they need to do. They got to be take more deep shots on the field, play action and all that stuff. Just be aggressive. Just take chances. It is what it is. It's a free year. Like we always say, it's just like give Zach easy plays in the scripted portion of the game, make it so that he feels good. He's just in his bag. That's what we need him to do. So yeah. time for I think. 
wait. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say time for game predictions, but I want to hear your point first. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think, uh, you know, what we like seeing now is that Elijah Moore has a team lead in targets, which is great. But now that Zach's back in the rotation, how do they get him involved early? So it's, it can be a, you know, it can be a dual fold thing where you're getting Zach in a groove here. You're getting Elijah in a groove. Elijah didn't hit anything until the second half, really. So, uh, you know, until the first drive of the second half, I think Zach came out, hit him with a, you know, 20 yard in cut, which was great, but four for 46, a couple of runs had that jet sweep. How do you get that stuff going early in the first half, early in the game, get Zach in a groove, get Elijah in the groove, establish uh, that part of the game for yourselves. And then it'll be smoother sailing the way out. You're not going to find yourself climbing out of a 14, three hole, but yes, game predictions, Steven, I'll let you go first, man. Go ahead. Okay. I think jets are going to cover the number for sure. I also think they're going to win out, right? It's obviously seven points, which is interesting considering the quarterback situation is not settled for Philly, but I think the jets are going to win 24 to 20. I think they're going to be playing from behind and they're going to score a game winning touchdown. It's going to be 2017 late in the game. And they're going to score a game winning touchdown in the last five minutes of the game to get it. I don't know why I just feel good about it. I think they're going to stack another win. They're going to have their first winning streak of the season and fans are going to feel good. It's, it's going to feel good to win again two weeks in a row. Cause it feels like I haven't experienced that in, a long time since I guess 2009. I don't know. They actually did have a two game winning streak last year. But we like, I, I just like erased 2020 out of my mind for a lot of reasons, but also I can understand why. So it's like, yeah, but I think we're going to get another two game winning streak, maybe yeah. three. Who knows? All right. But I'm excited. What do you think? And they're wearing the blacks, stealth yes. black. So it's, it's written. It's, it, it's, that's it. It's, it's side sealed delivered. Uh, no, I agree with you. I actually think the jets are going to win. I think they're going to win outright. Uh, I'm going to say 28, 24. I think Zach has a strong game. I'm not going to say 300, but I think 250 uh, in that area. And I think no turnovers for him. I think Elijah has a big game. Uh, and I think the defense is honestly going to come up big um, and, and honestly contain Jalen hurts. I, I really do. I think Tyrod, you know, similar player, obviously, older, um, but containing him is not easy. He can get out and run. You've seen it earlier this season. The Jets did a nice job against Tyron. They shut down the Texans offense in the second half completely. I think they had 25 yards, yards, right? So I think they can do the same thing. I think it's a different style offense. It's a different running game, Um, but I think the Jets have enough to get it done, and I have confidence in Ulbrich and Salah. I think they're starting to hit their groove as well. Um, I think they'll draw up something creative to keep uh, the Philly offense and Philly running game in check. Uh, Jets win 28-24 outright with, uh, we'll say, with the defense coming up with a game-sealing pick on the last drive. I lo- you love to hear that. I also want to give a shout-out to John Brickle Myers. I didn't do it earlier. I know you did. But I was getting worried that we were having Muhammad Wilkerson 2.0. That's not the case. That guy was, beside Quincy Williams, he, I, well, he was Quincy Williams was the second-best player. He was tremendous. Multiple sacks, interception, all over the place. Always Tackles for loss. Yep. It was it was just tremendous. I just wanted to give him that shout out because I was getting worried about him. But he seems like that would it just, you know, I think teams were just scheming to try to stop him because they knew that he was a threat for the Jets. You know, we also had Q who was really disruptive. So I'm just super excited to see this defense. I'm really excited to see what the defense can be, especially when they have every all of their guys back, you know, Lawson. And then hopefully they get some more young players in the draft and free agency. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. And I mean, I, it's. Yeah, you can't, you know, Quinnen and JFM, both with six sacks with six games to go. So, you know, can they get four uh, in the remaining six games and, and you know, maybe both get the double digits or at least sniff that number? I think that'd be nice. 
uh, to see from what we expected to be a dominant defensive line this year. But it'd be nice to have a guy up around that double digit mark uh, and maybe even two guys up around that mark uh, this year. So we'll see. We'll see how the season shakes out. Yeah. We appreciate everybody who's been tuning in, listening, you know, 30 episodes in, like I said, at the top of the show. Can't thank everybody enough for the support. We always appreciate people interact with them, interact with us on Twitter, whether it's positive or negative. Honestly, it's good to have conversation. And that's why we do this. We, you know, it's been so much fun and therapeutic for us. Uh, make sure if you haven't subscribed to the channel, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe to our podcast feed so you can get our show, you can get Will's DOJ pod, your draft season. We're getting to that point. The guys do a great job. They know every prospect can give you the breakdown of why they fit for the Jets. Super fun to listen to them. And if you haven't joined Badlands, make sure you go to patreon.com slash Badlands. It's the best premium Jets content you're going to get. Connor and Joe, always honest, always give good opinions. And it's just fun. Like they just, it's always good. You know, you're going to get your Badlands post game reaction within like two, three hours after the game. Highly recommend it. So much fun.